Hi everyone, my name is Walter Lim, and thank you for tuning in to the Majestic Road Podcast. Life with God is a wonderful journey that has its ups and downs, and when you're down, it might seem impossible at times to get back up. But then, you hear an inspiring story of breakthrough that lifts you up and puts you back on the road with the Lord. On today's show, you'll hear the story of Dan Quinones, senior pastor at the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Bergen County, New Jersey. He talks about how he battled with depression after the passing of his first wife, and only through admitting his struggles did God comfort him. Plus, he details how he hopes to reach out to more of the Spanish-speaking communities and introduce them to God's love. Please enjoy our conversation, and may it be a blessing to you. Let's get going. My guest today is someone who has tremendous faith and heart and truly wants to spread God's love to not just around his neighborhood, but to around the world. More on that later. He's a senior pastor of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, a Spanish-speaking church here in northern New Jersey. Pastor Dan Quinones. Welcome to Majestic World Podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I'm very well and very excited to be here. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, <laughs> we were recording this a few days after Mother's Day, so I need to ask, uh, how was that and anything special for your uh, wife? Mother's Day was amazing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a dozen roses kind of guy, so I always <laughs> do, do the dozen roses. And uh, my daughter, uh, 14-year-old, made an amazing breakfast that day uh, so so we had a lot of fun nice and I know you say you told me that you come from a large family yes is that something I mean I don't know if Mother's Day is a place where you gather a lot or do you wait for the major holidays like Thanksgiving? no because of we live distant now you know uh, my mom and dad are in South Carolina so we typically gather around Thanksgiving that's nice. our big holiday to get everyone together wow. and so we end up with 50 or 60 of us together uh, visiting uh, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. You go you down know. to South Carolina? Yeah, we, we go down to South Carolina. How do they yeah. end up there? Um, long story. I mean, they, they, were, they were in uh, New Jersey, moved out to Pennsylvania for a while, then moved to Puerto Rico. Um, and then when they left Puerto Rico, they, one of my cousins lived in South Carolina, and they ended up there. And uh, as a result, uh, my son has moved to South Carolina. My one of my daughters has moved to South Carolina. So they're they're kind of in a in a within forty five minutes of each other. Oh, that's nice. Okay, which is good. Cool. That's good. So that your your parents can see their grandkids. Yes. yes. Yeah, they can see great grandkids. Grandkids. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's tremendous. I love it. Big families are great. Yeah. And you and I connected because our churches share the same building for our service, yeah. which I think is a blessing. And I think I'm very grateful to know you and your congregation yeah. and just what you guys really um, do and express each weekend. Um, I think it's special more than anything that the communities come yeah. together yeah. to really advance I, I, God's kingdom. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's a mutual feeling, I feel, from Catalyst Church, Pastor Sam, and r right from the very first day that we met, uh, met the, the leadership here, uh, we felt so welcome and so... You know, Pastor Sam made it clear, he says, we're one church, you know, we're not two churches. We might have different services and all, but at the end of the day, we're one church and we belong to Jesus Christ. And, and so there's no competition, there's no, never any kind of <laughs> walls or barriers being put up. It, it, we really operate. Even when I said, do we need to bring our own microphones? He says, no, you know, <laughs> microphones are here, you know, just use it, don't break it, you know. And, but, but really from, in a spirit of love and, and we're one church, you know, he made us feel that way from day one. And so we're excited to be here. We love, we love this venue. So we're, we're really thankful. Awesome. I'm excited for this. Yeah. So let's begin 
now and hear about your amazing journey with sure. the Lord. Sure. Uh, you're currently senior pastor. Yes. Uh, but also you have another job, and I'm curious. You're a solutions architect. Yes. And for those listening, could you give a little explanation of what a sol solution architect does? Sure. Uh, I work for a Microsoft partner. Um, and uh, as a Microsoft partner, we resell software to large manufacturing companies. Some of the companies that we deal with are very large and very well known, like Dell Computer is, one, is on our client list, uh, Kodak. And mm -hmm. those are two in particular that I personally got involved with. Um, as a solution architect, I'm responsible for the delivery of, a, of the solution, the final solution that we put in at the customer. So it may include the original software plus some modifications, also the way in which the customer is going to use the software, uh, all the training, all the development, all of the solution, uh, I would say components of the solution are, are my responsibility. Okay. So, um, and, you know, so I do that, uh, and, and it is a job also that requires travel. So I, I am often away from home probably at least uh, every other week uh, traveling to the client site, and my current client is in Minnesota. So I'm <laughs> traveling there on Mondays, returning Thursdays, and then home with the family on, on, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wow, okay, okay. Because I know it must be a challenge knowing that you serve a church, yes. but yet also have a, it's a full-time job. Yes. And you yeah. can't just either, you know, cut your job at, you, you know, as a, micro, as a solutions architect, and then you can't cut your job as right. a pastor. Right. Um, I mean, how does that, how do you make things work? Or how, what are the challenges for someone? Well, I, I think the challenges are, are re very real. Um, you know, I, I often feel I don't do a good job at pastoring because, <laughs> you know, there's that kind of guilt feeling that says, man, if I had more time, I could do a better job. Um, the, the fact is I have a lot of help, you know. So my wife, to begin with, uh, Karina, she, uh, she's amazing. She... Um, She's my reminder list of all the things that we have to do and make sure we get done uh, for the church for every Sunday service. We have also leaders of, of different uh, components of our church, you know, for, for example, transportation. Somebody's you know, arranging transportation. Somebody else is taking care of the men's group. Somebody's taking care of the children. And so I rely on them to do a lot of the work. You know, so my job you know, it's basically overseeing and, mm -hmm. and, and teaching and preaching on Sundays. Uh, Ashton is a great worship leader, you know, so, so we, we, uh, we have amazing people that help, you know. And, and, you know, there's been moments in time when we haven't had that, and I've, I've had to do it all. You know, I've had to play the guitar, I've had to sing, I've had to, you know, do the transportation and so on. So thank God today we have teams, and, and a lot of credit goes to my wife who who uh, has, has helped organize a lot of that and, and help, help get that, put that in place. Um, I think the, the things that suffer is, is the family, you know, because there's so much time devoted to work and then so much time devoted to church. Um, it also uh, puts the family, a strain on the family. Yeah. And so that's a real challenge that, that we deal with. But uh, I, I think I, I, I do it and I do it almost without thinking for a couple of reasons. One I, one, I believe the Lord called me to this ministry, you know, and so I can't just decide one day. It wasn't a committee that elected me and said, hey, we're going to hire you for seven years, and after seven years, you can consider taking on another seven years. 
uh, I believe that God called me, and, and I have, you know, I have several life experiences to as a testimony of that. So, so it's not something that I can just leave until, you know, I feel from the Lord that it's time, and, and that time hasn't come. So, um, but, uh, and I do it, I, I, I have, I had a good mentor in my dad, who was also an engineer, hmm. and he was a pastor. And so uh, I saw him do it for many years. And, and so the, the role model helped, you know, in terms of me being able to pick it up where he left off and, and do, do the things that I do. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Almost, that's literally what your father did is now <laughs> exactly. what you're uh, doing for yourself. Would there have been a chance that you didn't get the call to ministry and you just stayed well, as a... Well, you know, there, there was in my uh, college years, I, I went away from the Lord, you know, I, I, I departed in a, in a bad way. So I was really, I, I was involved in, you know, I smoked a lot of marijuana. I was drinking a lot. I was just very rebellious and, and for no good reason, you know, just simply friends and, you know, not wanting to be a part of what my dad and mom were doing. And so I would always say, there's no way I'm going to be like my dad, you know, but mm. But at the same time, I had grown up in church all my life. I knew the Bible. I, I had, I, I, I had the spirit of my dad, you know, all along. So, so it was, it was going to be a hard thing for me to ignore for the rest of my life, and and you know, the Lord put a stop to that very early. And at the age of nineteen, um, I, I had been on a binge, you know, literally. And my mom asked me to church one day. Uh, to visit another church and uh, I was a little bit afraid of the church because they spoke in tongues I was afraid of uh, prophecy I was afraid yeah. of many things you know but I went to please my mom you know and, and and sure enough you know the Lord spoke to me that day and 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 it changed my life completely I was I went from you know being completely rebellious to to completely being given to the work of the Lord from one day to the next, Amen. and uh, and I literally felt like I was a different person the next day, you know that that's how how dramatic uh, the experience was for me, and people that knew me just couldn't believe it. You know my best friends and you know before that, one and one in particular, he just he says, "Damn, what happened to you?" And I said, "Well, God made a difference in my life, and I'm not going back to the way I used to be. I'm different now." and and so, yeah, from that point forward, there was no doubt in my mind. You know, I, I didn't set out to be a pastor, but I set out to help my dad. And, and so since he was pastor, I, I, I started to help him, help him. And, you know, whether it was preaching, whether it was driving the van, whether it was mm -hmm. uh, visiting somebody, you know, I was just helping my dad, you know. And I did that for 20, 20 plus years, you know, before I actually started to be, you know, be, before I became a pastor. That, so obviously at age 19, you obviously, you know, accepted and changed your life for Christ. That pursuit of serving Him and becoming a leader and serving a church, that also lined in with your current profession? Did you kind of always tell don't yeah. know to yourself that you wanted to work and yeah. serve? So I, you know, after, after I, I, um, I had the conversion experience in, at the age of 19, I was married a year later, and, and right around that same time, I had gone to Garden State Garden. Plaza. Right. Garden State Plaza had a little school called Plaza School, where they were teaching programming languages. So I had, I had dropped out of college because I wasn't doing well. I, my head wasn't in it. I, you know, I had been just, the, the lifestyle that I had been living didn't allow me to finish school. So mm -hmm. I went back though and um, I, you know, I did really well. 
And uh, within, within six months of graduating out of Plaza School, I was getting, given a computer programming job. And so I started computer programming in 1980. And that, you know, that evolved. That two years later, I went with another company. And in that company, I grew to be the manager of IT services. And in 1990, I left company and I, I went into consulting and started consulting uh, 89, 1990. I started consulting. I became an owner in 1990 of another business. I was asked by another a, a, a company that was already established. They asked me to become an owner and w along with them because I had a lot of skill that they needed. And uh, so I came in as an owner. I had nothing to invest. <laughs> so <laughs> they, he basically withdrew uh, $200 a week, you know, from my paycheck uh, <laughs> until I, I, until I bought in, you know, and, nice. and um, it was, it was just God's grace, you know, I, I, even in 89, when I, when I moved into consulting, it wasn't by choice. It mm -hmm. was, I, I was, uh, I was given, I was laid off because uh -huh. the company was trying to reduce their overhead. Yeah. And uh, so I immediately, I was laid off on Friday, Friday. And God gave me a position at Shiseido Cosmetics. I, I could go into the details, but <laughs> but I, on Monday I was working, you know, as a consultant at Shiseido Cosmetics. I was there for six months, and right about the time it was drying up was when I moved to the new company. Gotcha. And uh, you know, I I was an owner of that company until a couple of years ago, and we formed a second company in 2001, and I'm still working there as an employee and as part owner of that company. That's great. Okay. Okay. That makes sense now. Okay. That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that you can handle both and really be blessed in both <laughs> fields. No, it's, it's, that, that takes tremendous patience and skill because as we've mentioned, it's like, it's hard to balance, you know, there's only 40 hours in a week, let's say, you know, or, you know, yeah, and, in my younger years when I had more energy too, <laughs> you know, um, I lived in Sussex County and so Sussex County, we would go down with my wife and kids. We would go down 65 miles one way to hold services on a Saturday night in Ugh. West New York, New Jersey. Wow! And and then we'd we'd still be at Sunday service on you know back back up there with my dad. So wow. so we did that for many years. You know it was it was uh, you know we we'd go where I I remember I had a children's Bible group Bible study group in the Bronx um, on the Grand Concourse. So. This sister that we had met, she would she would bring all the children in her building. She'd get about 24 children together, wow. including two of her daughters. And I'd go there and give them Bible study, you know, once a week, you know. And so we did prison ministry with my dad, you know. So we, we did all kinds of things. That's great. And, you know, back then I wasn't a pastor, so the load wasn't as heavy as it is now. <laughs> but, but, I, but I was always passionate for the, for the ministry. And... You know, in 2002, when I started uh, pastoring, then that, that's when, uh, you know, that's when I took on a lot more responsibility and we were holding three services a week. And again, I had a lot more energy. I wasn't traveling as much. Most, right. most of my travel was local. So it, it allowed me the opportunity to be with the church. And again, you know, you have to have your family has to be on board. Everybody right. has to be on board to do something like that because it did require a lot of time. And a lot of uh, sacrifice. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's good, though. That's that's, yeah. To have family support is vital <laughs> yes. in this in this in, yes. in this world. And you mentioned your father was a pa was a, pa was a pastor. Yeah. Did he speak in Spanish and English? Did he have a no? He was mostly in Spanish, Spanish. Although he spoke he spoke English, but but in in the church he always taught in Spanish. Okay. So um, 
he would he would uh, translate for English speakers, you know, when we had English speakers. But but all of the ministry was done in Spanish. So I you know I learned I, I learned Spanish very well in church because I never went to formal schooling in Spanish. All my schooling was here in the United States. What about your parents? Did they English. speak to you in English or Spanish? Like well, in in the beginning, you know, when I was up until 10 years old, my mom only spoke Spanish. And my dad spoke English, but most of what was spoken at home was Spanish. Okay. And then from age 10 on, we had moved to New Jersey, and then we, we started to speak to my mother in, in, in English, so she started to learn <laughs> English as a consequence. So today, it's, you know, my dad almost always speaks in English, and my mom... <laughs> My mom goes back and forth. She'll she'll speak English. She'll speak Spanish. But you know, at the end of the day, we speak what we call Spanglish. Spanglish. You know? <laughs> in your time so far in serving the churches that you've been at, I mean, you know, obviously currently that your current church is Spanish speaking. But was there English at the other churches, or was it a mix of both? Yeah, we we've done English services. We did English services for a time. Um, the 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 group that we have today is more Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've had a time where the group was more English speaking, and and so um, we've always tried to balance the Spanish and the English, um, you know, so that everybody gets fed. Uh, it, it's kind of a challenge because you can't focus on one or the other. Like for example, we have young people that come to church, and uh, I'm always worried about them because they they speak more English, they they speak less uh, Spanish. But uh, as of right now, most of the people speak Spanish, and I try to preach. When I preach, I preach in Spanish and English. So I will do that if, if anybody, if I sense that somebody needs English and, or somebody wants English, we'll just, I'll, I'll just do both languages. I'm, I'm prepared to do that. And I do it my, by myself. I don't use a translator, so I'll, I'll just speak both languages. I'll have my, my notes in Spanish and in English, and I'll and I'll follow the message. Uh, I've, I've heard, and I think you do a <laughs> tremendous job uh, for those that either don't speak English or don't speak Spanish, and you make it understandable, which I think is that's a blessing in itself. So, I mean, are there other challenges that you see? Like you said, if there's a younger generation, they prefer English, but... Oh, there, there's plenty yeah. of challenges. I, I, I think, um, you know, if you look at just the time that we're living in, I, I really believe the coming of the Lord is is really close. And... And so, you know, you, you, there, there's so many distractions for church. You know, people, you know, going to church is the same as listening to a YouTube for some, you know. And, mm -hmm. and so it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to get that church body experience. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, God has been speaking to me, um, particularly through Francis Chan, who, who I, I enjoy listening to. Um, some and, and a book, recent book that he wrote called Letters to the Church has really had an impact on me because to me it reminds me really of some of the things that my dad was passionate about and, you know, keeping the church group small and keeping it in homes and to training your children at home and, and a lot of the emphasis isn't so much in the, in the show, the Sunday show, so to speak. Right, right. It's more in, in what happens at home, what happens in the small groups. You know, and, and keeping church small is a good thing. It's not a bad thing, you know, and, but, you know, then how do you expand, you know? And so, so there, there, there is a, there's a lot of, a lot of challenges, but I, I think, uh, I, I think my concerns for the church aren't so much with the culture as it much as it is for the time that we're living in. Okay. I was going to say, uh, for me being a Korean American, Asian American, culture does influence yeah. uh, churches and, and faith. Yeah. So I, I was wondering growing up for you. Oh, Sure. 
you know, how the Spanish culture affected yeah. how your Christian walk was, or even oh, yeah. even yeah. in your it, outreach no, it, now in the communities. It, it is, it is, it is. So you know, the way the way you minister to Hispanic people is different than the way you would minister to typical American, um, you know, families. Hispanics tend to get down on themselves. You know, they, they're very hard on themselves, in, a, in a, not in a bad way, but you know, they're just hard on themselves. They want to, they 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 live to perform. We live, you know, mm. to perform. You know, and and I, I think we match the Asian culture a little bit that way too. You know, that that our 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 goal is, you know, we want performance, and mm. and it's hard. And I was just listening to something from Francis Chan that. You know, it's hard for us to believe that God loves us without doing anything. You know, <laughs> that we don't have to do anything to right. to earn His love, and and it's hard for us to see that. It, it really is. So, when I go to Dominican Republic and the churches there, uh, it's there's a there's a, a refreshing experience, and I, I know you you might want to talk about that in a minute. Uh, but the church culture there has its own culture. You know, has. So when I go there, I, I minister according to the culture there. Mm. Uh, when I minister here, I minister according to the culture here. And I can't expect that the culture here is going to match the culture there or there is going to match over here. They're different, you know, and, and, and it, it would be incorrect to say, hey, you need to fit in this box or you guys need to fit in this box. It doesn't work that way. You know, it doesn't work that way at all. Uh, so so I, I've, I've learned to respect cultures. I've learned to work within the framework of each culture. Mm. And keeping the message the same, the message of Christ doesn't change. But you do respect the culture of the people. And they, the American, for example, the Hispanic culture, they like to dress up on Sunday, right? That's, that's a big thing because to us it's a celebration of God. And so you right. don't go to a celebration just dressed any old way, you know. And, and so that's very cultural, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's almost disrespectful to walk in with sandals and shorts <laughs> on a Sunday, you know. That's the culture, though. Same that, that's, Asian a, culture, yeah. that's a very, very cultural thing. And so, you know, we, we, we go with the flow and, 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 you know, trying not to upset that because that's, again, that's, that's very cultural. I, I, you know, the, the, the Hispanic culture is very male-oriented, male-dominated, mm -hmm. you know. So, so it's, you know, the, a male will always get more respect than a female. You know, mm -hmm. that's just the way it's been. That's the way it's always been. So it's not that it's right or wrong. It's just things of the culture that... that you deal with and you, you make it work. You know, you make it work. Do you see a shift there at all, or is that still kind of It's like shifting because, for example, I, I have one pastor, the Haitian pastor, and, and they speak Spanish and Creole over there, uh, but uh, his wife is pastoring the church, you know, and, and so that's a, a huge shift, you know. And within the Hispanic churches, it's it's a little bit harder, you know, to make that jump to say a woman's going to pastor a church, you know. Mm. But, but we have seen at least recognition of the pastor's wives that we consider them pastors also because you know obviously the pastor doesn't do it all by himself right. he's doing it with his wife together right. and so there's been more recognition of that more recognition of her role in the ministry uh, that's that good. that's been that's been uh, you know that's come to the surface a lot more um, that's good and you mentioned the Dominican Republic and I know in the weeks leading into this sit down with me you were traveling to yes. said country, and when I heard that you were doing these missions, which I think is just tremendous, um, was missions something that you had always been desired to do? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what, what happened back in 2004, um, we had a member of the church 
um, who was, you know, he was Dominican and very passionate about getting his mom baptized and, and, and a nephew of his, you know, that, that he was very interested in seeing him get baptized. And he, I had met the nephew here, um, and then they had moved to uh, Dominican Republic. Thing is that um, when we went there, um, you know, they wanted to get baptized, you know, they, and so we went there, we baptized them, and at the same time, we heard of a Haitian church that was just starting, a Haitian pastor, and so um, uh, an evangelist had come to us and said, hey, this Haitian pastor needs some help, they're in Dominican Republic. Again, this, this, this uh, gentleman from our church, he, he was very passionate about, it. hey, we should help, we should do this. So, so we started to get involved just helping them, you know, helping the Haitian pastor. And, and with his, his nephew, well, we got him baptized. And uh, a short time later, they wanted to start a church, you know. And, and so, so we started to go there. And, and uh, you know, um, this, this elder in the church, he was helping uh, doctrine, you know, teach, the, uh, teach his nephew the, the Bible and, and give him the basics so that they, they got started in a church. And then I started overseeing that ministry. And the Haitian, the Haitian pastor that we had started with, some things went south with him. It, it wasn't going well, so we, we basically had to undo our relationship with him. Um, but in the process of undoing it, it's almost like God said, I was just using him to prepare you for, for the next thing. Mm -hmm. Because we met another pastor who was just starting to pastor. He was... He, was, he, he had come to, to the service that day with his family, and he says, you know, God has called me to the ministry, and we started to support him. And, and today, he has over a 1,000 people going to churches in three different locations, and they're about to start a fourth location in, in the Dominican Republic. Wow. <laughs> you know, so, so it wasn't at all planned. It wasn't at all preconceived. It was just... You know, just as God was calling us to do this, and then we went there as the first church started to grow. Um, we went there to do baptisms in the river, you know, and, and getting people baptized. And today, uh, today we have about 10 pastors in total in the Dominican Republic wow. uh, serving at different churches. And then the Haitian churches, the three Haitian churches that we, that we supervise. And, and so this past visit, I was able to visit with all the pastors and also visit with, uh, with the Haitian church. Uh, you know, I got to see them all, and, and we have a big uh, camp, annual camp, uh, that we do uh, now in August. We're going to be there again. Oh, that's for, tremendous. For camp, to know, see so. that grow. Yeah. And, I mean, how long did like, And this couple started years? The, yeah, the, a couple the, years. The other, the Haitian church started in earnest. It was probably 2008. Wow. Um, no, 2007 probably. Um, 2000, no, 2006. So 2006 was when the Haitian church started. So they've been, this will be year 13. This will be year 13. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of the goals for these yeah. missions work where you, yeah. you plant yeah. and you spread the word and then it's become self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. You oh, know? yeah, absolutely. And these, these pastors have done it with very little money, very little resources, a lot of suffering, you know, and 
What's funny with the Dominican pastors, they want to have church every night. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just, you, when I talk about cultural things, you could never make that work here, right? But, but over there, you know, if they had the option of, of going to church every night, that's how they want to do it. You know, they want to have Bible study this night and ladies night this night and men's night this night and young people's night. And they may only have 10 or 12 people, but that's, that's, the, way they, that's the way they march, you know, and they're happy and they're joyful. And, you know, we need to bottle that and bring that here yeah, to the exactly. States, if that's possible. Wow. And I know it's just going to get better. And that's, I commend you. That's, that's yeah, tremendous. Yeah. That's very encouraging to hear that yeah. you've been able to plant and now four yeah. churches have yeah. grown. Yeah. And, and we've, we've had churches join us that were, didn't have any, any leadership, you know, and they wanted to join forces with us. So that's how we've gotten some of the other pastors. One of the pastors I had ordained over there at another church who was... Um, a friendly church. We, we were visiting them. I, I went to visit the pastor one night and the pastor said, I want you to come tomorrow and ordain my new, my new pastor of the church. Well, well, we did that and then he, he broke out and now started a new church because the, the previous pastor's son took over the, that ministry. And so he went and started another church. And so it, it's, it's beautiful to see. And, and these are, you know, the Dominican churches are anywhere from 20 to 30 people each. But they're beautiful churches, you know. They're beautiful churches. They, 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 they love the Lord, um, and I, I enjoy being with them. That's I enjoy great. Being and you got to start somewhere, even if it's twenty people. And <laughs> yeah, look what happened: yeah, four yeah, churches yeah, to yeah, call for. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that is a tremendous process, yeah. and we know that life is a process. Yes, yes. You know, and we know that the Christian walk is a journey that has ups and downs, hills and valleys. Yeah. You know, and this podcast is about encouraging people who are in a valley yeah. or has been through a valley. So, you know. Uh, Pastor Dan, I need to ask you, at what point in your Christian walk did you just hit a breaking point or an experience and just said, I don't know if I can keep going. How can yeah, I keep going? There, there, was definitely, uh, there was definitely a time in my life. I, um, I was married uh, from two, 1979 to 2011 to my first wife. My first wife had developed uh, dementia, and we believe it happened right around 2004. It wasn't diagnosed till 2008. And by 2011, you know, she passed away. And, and uh, I will tell you, in 2008, I went through a severe depression. And um, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to give this up. I, I, I can't do both. I can't work. I can't take care of her. I can't pastor. I, I, I just can't do this. And I, I told the church, I'm, I'm going to be visiting somebody else if you want to come with me. I had a pastor friend. I said, I want to go visit. I spoke to that pastor. I said, I don't want to preach. Please don't put me to preach. You know, I'll sweep the floors. I'll do anything that you want. But I just wanted, I, I need time to just listen and enjoy being someone in the congregation just listening mm. because my, my emotions are all over the place. I'm, I'm going through a lot of depression. My son also um, had made a decision to move to Arizona to go to school. So he was part of my support group. I had another son that says, "Hey, Dad, we're, we think we're thinking we're going to visit another church, you know." And and so a lot of a lot of it was just falling apart. And and um, and I said, you know, and and I told them, I said, "Look, I'm I'm on a roller coaster ride, and I apologize, but I can't do anything better. I I'm I'm just going through a really tough time." And her dementia really um, took me into a valley where I, for three months, I, I didn't preach, I didn't, uh, I, the church, I, I, we were paying the church, and, and I had some tithes come in, and if, even if I didn't, I was just making sure it was getting paid. 
but, um, but I, I went to a minister's conference and God spoke to me through one of the bishops there that um, they, they had invited me to speak to them on foreign missions, what I was doing with, because I had visited Haiti also and they wanted to know a little bit about that. And all I did was pour out my heart. I said, I've got men of God here that hmm. need to hear my story, need to hear where I'm at and I need their help, you know. And, and the, the word, the encouraging word for me was, you know, the pastor, the bishop said to me, I'm, I'm, we're going to pray for you, but we're not going to pray that God remove this affliction. Because, and, and I didn't understand that, but I understood it that day. He says, we're not going to pray that God remove this affliction, but, he, but that he give you the strength to get through it. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to be with you no matter what. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take you through this. The, the affliction is not going to go away. It became very clear what the Lord was telling me. This affliction is not going to go away. And it lasted another three years, you know, um, wow. having to, to, to deal with her sickness uh, until her eventual death. And, and so it was, it was a hard time. It was a hard time, you know, and, and we had a second floor church and she had to be carried you know, like a little baby upstairs to be put on a chair so she could be there. But she didn't even know what was going on. It was just a really, really hard time. But I, I think the, 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 the hand of God was on me because I, I, I never felt and never for a moment felt to abandon her or never felt that I couldn't do it. I, I remembered the words, you know, of that bishop saying to me, he, God's going to be with you, you know, no matter what you go through, you know, he's going to be with you and he's going to take you through it. You're not, you're going to go through the mm. fire, but you're, you're going to get through. And, and I, I held on to that. And, and, uh, today I was able to mar remarry in, in 2012, uh, to an amazing wife. And, and she's been a ministry partner from, uh, you know, I wouldn't say day one, but her passion was always there in the ministry. And, and uh, she is t today my right hand in everything that I do in the ministry. So when you talk about, you know, working and being a pastor, she's very much of uh, very much a part of what I do, you know, and and she does work full time. She's calling people. She's she's counseling. She's doing a lot of things that that I can't get to. And she's she's doing it for me. And the things that that I need to do well, she she puts them on my list. You know? <laughs> hey, Pastor, this, this one belongs to you, you know. And, and uh, so, yeah, but that, that, that point in my life, I, I didn't know if I was going to continue as a pastor. But I was able to, you know, I was able to get through and, and things changed from that point forward. It's hard for a lot of people to admit the challenges. Like you said, you had depression and, yeah. you know, uh, being able to be open. Yeah. Which I think was very strong of you to say, hey, look, guys, I can't preach. And, you know, and in this society, yeah. being embarrassed or being considered not being able to do it is like a label now these yeah. days. But I think back then, I think because you had the courage to say, look, I'm having a hard time. Yeah. And I think that's why you heard those words from the bishop saying, yeah. you know, God will provide the strength for you. Yes. And I think that's tremendous. Yeah. And I, I give you credit for sharing because I think releasing that issue, fear, or whatever it is, helps God release and, onto and, you. And, you know, many, many, I, I would speak at conferences, for example, and so many pastors would see me when my wife, you know, first wife was able to go with me. They saw that she was ill. They saw that I had to take care of her. And they said, man, you know, one day this is going to be a testimony. But I always felt 
it's a testimony right now. You don't understand it. Mm. But the fact that I have to do this, you're going to understand it one day and say, wow, you know, he was able to do it. And so I did have people coming back later and say, you know what? Because you were able to do it, I can do it. I feel I can do it. And, and I had ministers. I'm talking about pastors and saying, you know, they look back and said, it's amazing that you were able to do it. And I look back and I say, well, it's amazing that God really gave me the grace to do it because uh, I, I, I've seen others fail. I, I've seen, you know, a good friend, pastor, really good teacher, beautiful ministry, radio, TV ministry and everything. Uh, his wife got dementia and Alzheimer's and uh, he wasn't able to, he wasn't able to make it through. It was really tough. And so, you know, I remember when I met with him, I hugged him. I said, look, you know, I love you. And, and if you ever need my help, you know, I'm, I'm only a phone call away because you, you do mean a lot to me and I, I know what the struggle's about. So, but not everybody makes it. it, it it's, it, I don't give myself credit. I, I give all the glory to God that he gave me the grace to make it through. Well, he broke through. And yeah, I think obviously yeah. you got out of that depression. Yeah. You remarried to your beautiful yeah, wife. Yeah, that yeah. now look at you, the, the both of you have really uh, supported one another. Yeah. And you said it too. It's like you sharing the story to whoever's listening now, yeah. going through either something similar, will know that God was there for Amen. Pastor Dan. Amen. God will be there for Amen. me. Amen. And you mentioned your wife. And you know, we'll talk about a guiding light, someone that has helped you. We can include your wife, but is there anyone else, Pastor Dan, in your life, in your journey? Like, God never intended for us to be alone in this world. Yeah. You yeah. know, we have relationships. We have community. Oh, sure. Uh, you have a large family. Sure. Uh, 70 cousins. Yeah. But from a spiritual guidance, is there a person you can, person or persons you can highlight? Yeah, there, there are several. You know, my, my first mentor was my dad, obviously. He was, he was a pastor. He was an engineer by trade, and he pastored by night and weekend, right? So... Um, and just a great teacher and lived a life of integrity. So, you know, it's often said that the, the, the most, most important message that we preach is the one that we live, right, before others. And so my dad lived a life of integrity all of his life. And, you know, I'm sure he had challenges, and I know of some of his challenges, but all in all, he was a man of integrity. And, and so first and foremost, his, his, his influence on my life was number one. Secondly, I, I have uh, Pastor uh, Amador Valenzuela from mm -hmm. El Paso, Texas, who, who just is a phenomenal Bible teacher. And uh, back in the 80s, you know, when, with no Internet, uh, I, would, I would study. You know, I would study his, his tapes, his teachings. And, you know, there was very, I don't even remember, I don't think there was YouTube back then. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, I would buy his cassette tapes. We'd go there once a year. I'd buy 100 cassette tapes, and throughout the year I'd study them. And, and I'd, I'd, I'd spend, you know, on a one-hour sermon, I'd spend four hours just listening to it, replaying it. Uh, sometimes looking up words because I didn't understand what he was saying, you know, <laughs> looking up the Strong's Concordance. So I, I would take the time, and I wasn't pastoring them, but it was, it was a time where I was forming myself. And, and I was helping my dad, so I would preach sometimes, but I wasn't the pastor. But it, it was, it was uh, so he was number two. I think even before that, uh, there was a, a woman right after I got saved, you know, or right after I had my conversion experience in 1978, and, and uh, there was an older woman that, that took care of my, my then wife, you know, before she became my wife. Um, but she, she poured a lot into me. She mm -hmm. was a very spiritual woman, gave me a lot of encouragement. Uh, 
you know, she would, I would go to her house and she'd spend hours in the Bible with me. And she'd, you know, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And just a very loving person. So I, I think these three personalities, you know, were, were really important in my life. And then over the years, you know, different speakers that, that I've attached myself to. Mm. And, and I've learned to, re, you know, I've always had a high respect for any man of God. It doesn't matter, you know, man or woman of God, but that, that is a preacher, that is a speaker. You know, regardless of, you know, they may have flaws, they may have negative things in their testimony. I don't look at that. I look at the fact that they put themselves out there to, to preach, to teach, to, to want to share what they have. Mm. And I try to learn from that. I try to learn. And, and so over the years, I've, I've attached myself to this speaker, maybe, you know, now that YouTube, we have YouTube and, you know, different speakers at different times. And, and I think God has used that even in different seasons of my life to, to use a minister to minister to a minister, you know, <laughs> because I, a minister also needs to be ministered to. Yeah. You know, we, we need to be ministered to. And, and I still have my dad and I still have Amador Valenzuela, who's, who's my supervisor, my spiritual head today. You know, so I, I, I love I, I love what I have. I love who I'm you know, submitted to. And um, and I'm able to function very well under that. Oh, that's awesome. I do hope that many, many more years of just <laughs> lessons and encouragement from your dad yes, yeah. and everyone else. That's really good. Okay, awesome. That, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, you are listening to the Majestic Road Podcast. I'm Walter Lim. And joining me on the show is Pastor Dan Quinones of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ and a Solutions Architect Solution Solutions Architect. Yes, yeah, Solution Correct. Architect. Get that. Uh, you are a man of missions and spreading Christ's love, which is obviously tremendous because yeah, the world needs more of that. Amen. We're having a great discussion. But as God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, <laughs> it's time now for Burning Questions. Pastor Dan, are you ready? I I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first one. If you could break bread with two people of any time in life, who would it be? My, my two would be uh, Samuel and Daniel. Mm. Uh, Samuel is an interesting character because he was devoted to God from his, from his birth. Um, he was given to God. And he had a time in his life where he didn't know the, the voice of God. But there, the, you know, the, there came that special moment where, where, he, where he connected with God and God connected with him. And his ministry from there on is just amazing. He, he anointed two kings of Israel. He, he had a school of prophets. Um, he, was, he was just such a mighty influence in the culture of the day and the people of Israel. He was more than a king. You know, if you, if you had to think of, well, if you could have Samuel, you could have a king. I'd choose Samuel, right? And that's why it hurt him so much, even when the people of Israel asked for a king, because, you know, there was nothing that a king could offer them that God wasn't already doing for the people and, and using him also, especially. So I just think he was an important figure in the, in the, in the history of Israel, and I'd love to be with him. And the other one would be Daniel. Daniel... Mm. Um, Daniel was a prophetic, uh, you know, he was, he was a prophet of God. Uh, he had visions, he had revelations, but he was also the president of a nation, a governor. He was, he was an outstanding figure, a public figure. And, and so, you know, and very influential um, and, and clearly a man after God's own heart, you know, just sought after God. He, he was a man of desires, of great passion and desire. And, 
and and um, and I uh, I'm drawn to Daniel chapter nine, for example, the the prayer that he makes on behalf of his nation, on behalf of himself, you know, and he says, I know we've sinned, you know, and, and please forgive us for for our father's sins, our own sins, and there's that heart of Daniel that is always humble before God but wants to know more, you know. I, I know I don't deserve this, God, but I want to know more. Right. And, and, and uh, he had great revelations, you know. He had great experiences with, uh, with Nebuchadnezzar, with the different kings. He served under different kings in, in, in Babylon. So, so I, you know, he'd be one that I'd just mm. want to know more. That's you know? tremendous. Yeah, no, that's good. That's and good it people was, to it know. It was a time of ta captivity, also, right? Which is all even more amazing. <laughs> a story of perseverance, I think, for Daniel. Yes, yes, by all means. Uh, and just sitting here, Pastor Dan, you are wise, you're gifted, but I think you're very humble as well, um, which I'm very encouraged because you definitely speak truth. And you know, I'm, I'm just by anything you're saying today is I'm very encouraged. But I'd like to know though, if you know, you do speak to the people at your church, you speak to. Um, people around the world in missions and DR, but is there a place if we were given a chance to say, if you had this ultimate message for God's love, is there a place or a venue that you would love to stand there and just have at it? <laughs> I, I, I'm not ambitious in that way, so I'm not, I, don't, I don't think of big venues and you know, uh, I'd love to speak one day at this, this venue. I, I can recall a time where I used to go to the annual conferences, pastors' conferences, and, and I, you know, I'd look around and say, okay, there's 500, 1,000 people here. I could, I could speak at this conference, you know, and I would, I would say, and, and one day, you know, Amador Valenzuela, you know, he says, hey, next conference you have two hours to speak, you know, just out of nowhere. So it was, it, it, was, it was amazing. But, you know, at this stage of my life, my desire is for people to know Christ. And, and where, where we can have the most impact, that would be the most thing. I, I would, you know, I've, I've often, I, I, I have a heart for pastors and to speak to pastors. And so to me, I would be more encouraged to speak to a thousand pastors than to speak to a hundred thousand people. Mm. Because those pastors are going to influence lives. Those pastors are going to make it happen and make it real in somebody else's life. And, and so that, that's who I would, if I had a chance to say, who would you speak to? I would want to speak to pastors because pastors can, and, and not only me speaking, but I would learn from them as well. You know, it's just, we, we share a certain burden and a certain passion for souls that, that, uh, that we can inject one another with the love of Christ mm. and, and just motive to, to continue to press on. And even when I go to Dominican Republic, that tends to be my focus. I focus on the pastors. I focus on them. The people enjoy it, but I focus more on the pastors. No, you're yeah. gifting wisdom, and then they pass that wisdom yes. on, and it yes. just goes on exactly. and on. No, that's, exactly. that's great. Um, you're, you're known to enjoy sports. Um, yes. We'll make this a couple, <laughs> a two-parter two question. So let's start with basketball. You played basketball earlier in your life. Yes. You enjoy it. Yeah. You have a big family. Yeah. You have five siblings. So yes. it's six total in your family. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, taking the basketball theme, if there was a teammate of the six, how would you break the positions? Would there be a, <laughs> who would be the coach and who would play the starting five? <laughs> All right. So in, in basketball, it's funny because we, we love to play basketball. My dad loved to play basketball, and he was the best free, show, free throw shooter. So if we could have a designated free throw shooter, <laughs> it would be my dad. Okay. Um, I have an, a younger brother, uh, Ivan, who, who, who was all into basketball. He's tall, big, so I'd have him be my center. 
I think the other two are more, uh, one of them is more of a hockey player. He plays more <laughs> with his elbows. So I don't know that, uh, you know. Power forward, maybe. Yeah, maybe power forward, you know. And, and the, so the two brothers, I think, would be power forwards. And then the others are girls. I have two cousins, uh, one cousin my age that I grew up with. And, and so he would have definitely also been up there as a power forward. What about you? What would... I would be a guard. I was, oh, you'd be a guard? I was, I was always, I enjoyed playing guard. Okay, position. okay, yeah, good, yeah, nice. Yeah. Hitting the threes from deep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. <laughs> You also we didn't have threes back then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right before the three-point line. Okay. Right. You also enjoy golf. Yes. Uh, which is a sport that I enjoy as well. And uh, as of this recording, this weekend the PGA Championship is going to be played at the Bethpage Black Horse in yeah. Long Island. Um, who do you think is going to win? Well, I'd love to see Tiger Woods win again. <laughs> Every time he wins, it's a, it's an amazing win. Um, I. The reality is probably Brooks Krepka is, is who I would choose as the winner. Um, who I enjoy watching, I, and, and I've seen some of these guys in person, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I certainly uh, want to see Jordan Spieth win again. You know, he hasn't won in a while. Um, I, I, I think he has a good heart, you know, and, and, and he has a good message for a lot of people. Mm. So I'd love to see him win. Um, there's a couple Christians on tour, you know, and every time they win, of course, they they give glory to God. So I'm always anxious for that. But I, I enjoy the sport. I, you know, I, I, I remember a time in my life I say, who in the world would watch golf? And, <laughs> and, and now, you know, I, I, I can work. I can watch golf. I have a TV in my office and, and I love it. You know, I love I love to play golf. I and, and it's a good sport because it's not one I'm going to get hurt in, you know. If I were to try to play basketball, I have the problem that my body thinks I'm, my, my mind thinks I'm 17, and I can do all the moves that I, I was able to do when I was young. But, uh, but my body, reality is I could twist my ankle and be out for eight weeks, so... So I don't play a lot of basketball anymore. Have you played Bethpage? Have you been out there? I haven't played Bethpage. I've played a lot of other courses. I've played at Torrey Pines. Wow. Okay. Uh, played there several times, um, but never played uh, Bethpage. Um, never made the trek. There is there. a reason why there's a sign on the first <laughs> hole if you see yeah. it. Very extreme, yeah. very for yeah. professional yeah. golfers. Yeah. Yeah. Take that to note yeah. next time if you ever I have a little story about that. My dad... Uh, is a very good golfer. He's, he's, he shoots in the 70s, and he's 84 years old. Wow. And, and so he, um, my, my dad, first time out, he had gone to the driving range. He had gone to pitch and putt, so he had the swing down, and he had no idea of distances, front and back of the green. He didn't know anything. He went out and shot under 100 on his first time out on the golf course, which I've, and on Beth Page. Which I've never, no, I, I don't know any other human being in my life that's done something like that. So my father's a gifted individual. All right. Well, <laughs> if we can, we should definitely get an outing sometime and love to meet this yeah, yeah. gentleman and play yeah. golf with him. Okay. <laughs> he beats all of us in golf. Every time me and my brothers, we go out with him, he beats us all. That sounds like so. my father when I play with him. No matter what, as much as I practice. My dad would always beat me. <laughs> it must be something in there. I don't know what they do. It's in their genes. That's funny. Uh, Pastor Jan, as you continue your journey now with the Lord, um, obviously you're busy with everything that's going on, and you're just being blessed and blessing others. But what is next for you? What do you have planned? Is it maybe beyond missions, another country, or another opportunity? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm nearing retirement age, and, and retirement is a possibility you know, for my secular work. So... 
I don't know if that's where I'm going to go, but that's one of my options, you know, and, and if I do, you know, I would devote myself more to ministry. Um, the, the, the other choice that I might make is just slow down and continue to work, but just support other pastors, you know, and, and maybe not so much do the pastoring myself, but, but help other pastors get along and, and, and start different works and so on. So I, I, my, my desire is to help the ministries grow, the, the, the church grow, and, and I think there's a lot of potential. I mean, they, there's certainly potential in the church that, that I pastor here. Um, there's a lot more potential when you can influence leaders mm. and, and help leaders that, that are just starting out that don't know much. And, and I think that's where my next, my next step is, is more into that. Uh, how, I don't know. Uh, but uh, if, if I do retire, that's what I'll do. That's I'll just devote myself entirely to ministry. Well, when that does happen, I'm excited to see. <laughs> and I would love to support yes, that in any yeah, way. Yeah. As we wrap, Pastor Dan, um, and I've been so encouraged by the session. Thank you for yeah. everything you've shared. Um, but is there a parting gift that you'd like to leave the listeners in a sense that like in your time of devotion, either recently or in your life journey that you've had, that you'd like to leave and impart on people to say, look, this is what I can say to yeah. encourage you in your walk. No, I, I, I think, you know, one of the things that God has impressed on me is just the message of God's love through the cross. You know, um, there, there, is, there is nothing that compares to the love of God. Nothing, absolutely. Um, we don't understand it. We, you know, we don't, un you could hold a little child in your arms and ask, does this child understand how much I love him? And the child doesn't. And, and that's how we are. You know, we don't understand how much God loves us and, and how much God loves you, you know, that person listening, you know. Um, there is true love of God for everyone, and the time is short, you know. I, that's the other thing I would say. We don't have much time, and if you haven't given your life to Christ yet, do it soon. Do it now. Uh, don't wait, because <clears throat> there, there's nothing but gain. There's nothing but gain. If, if you come to know the Lord, you will have eternal life. And, you know, that, that as simple as that. And if you're struggling in life, you know, uh, remember this. Um, if you don't quit, he won't quit on you. You know, he doesn't quit on you. You, you, you know, just don't quit. Just, just keep trying. You're going to get through. Believe that you're going to get through. There's, there's those values that you just think that I'll never climb out of here. You know, I, I just had a call with somebody yesterday who called me after it's been more than 10 years. He was my worship leader, and, and he just disappeared, you know, disappeared completely. And, and he called yesterday after many years just to apologize and, mm. and say, you know, I want to make amends for what I did so many years ago. And he had already apologized. I think he'd forgotten, but... And, and I told him that, but, I, but I, I also reflected on the fact, wow, you know, this man was hurting and, and I, I don't know that I would have known how to help him, you know, right. and, and I can tell that person that's hurting, there are people that can help you. There are people that will embrace you, that you're not alone. You know, it, it sometimes feels like there's just nobody there. But first of all, God is there. And secondly, there is somebody in your circle of influence who just wants to put their arms around you and say, you're going to make it. Don't, don't quit. You know, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to help you through. 
And, and believe me, God will always have an angel for you to, to, to get you through that tough time. That is exactly yeah. the reason why I'm sitting here, and I thank you for saying that. I'm going to put that on loop. Circle of influence. Yeah. That is just yeah. a great way. Well, Pastor Dan, thank you so much. It was just truly a blessing and encouraging time to hear, and inspired me to know that what you have going on in your life and what will continue to go on with your life. Um, I thank you for sharing your amazing journey, and I was so encouraged, and I wish only continued blessings for you. All right. I enjoyed being here. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks to everyone for listening. I hope that what we shared was inspiring and transformative for your life and will help you continue your personal walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. If you would like to recommend someone to join the show, please send us a message on our Twitter account, at Majestic underscore Road. Many thanks again to Pastor Dan Quinones for joining us and sharing his powerful story. If you feel like a journey seems too tough, remember, God will put people in your lives to make that journey an amazing one. So be on the lookout. God's plan for you are always good. I'm Walter Lim. Take care and God bless.